your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 346 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar out in Collingwood. And instead of East versus West, this year we have North versus South and the Stanley Cup Final begins tonight. We'll have a full preview of that and we kick off our draft rankings at 75. We've got four for you today and well, three of them you're going to recognize the last name as they all have either brother or dad who played in the national hockey league stay tuned for all that and more this is the locked on senators podcast your team every day today is monday june 28th and pilsey we made it to the stanley cup final Stanley Cup final is here and for once there's a Canadian team in the finals and it sucks that it's the Montreal Canadiens but I think this is going to be one hell of a matchup Ross you got the Canadians that keep on upsetting opponents in playoff series nobody thought they were going to be here and then you have the reigning Stanley Cup champions who everyone thought was going to be here so this is a real interesting matchup and game one is tonight. Are you going to go David versus Goliath again? I feel like that was the narrative for each and every series, really, Montreal's been in so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's repeating itself again here. I, I'll i be honest, I was really hoping for the David versus David matchup, Islanders and Canadians. I think that oh, was yeah. You're good hockey. You're a huge hockey. Islanders guy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why they didn't uh, they didn't make it. I decided to show some faith in them for Game 7, and they didn't even score one single goal. So... That's not going to get you anywhere. And, hey, I think this is this is going to be an interesting series, Ross, because the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's a team that thrives when their power play unit is clicking. But Montreal is coming off a playoff series against the Vegas Golden Knights where they had 100% penalty kill success. So Tampa is going to have to figure out a way to break that penalty kill. That's actually unbelievable. Vegas, no power play goals in a friggin' six-game series? Wow. Um, that being said, you're not going to do that to the Lightning. Vegas, their power plays had some issues before they faced the Montreal Canadiens, whereas the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're the best power play in the entire National Hockey League. Playoffs, regular season, you name it. There's just so much talent on that team. It's impossible to keep them down. Now, we're still waiting for when Game 3 happens. It'll be the first time in 28 years that the Stanley Cup Final will be played in Montreal, and hopefully they can cram more than 3,500 into the building. We know it's going to be packed for Game 1. What do you think about Tampa giving out noisemakers, though? I, I don't know if you, you should need that in the third round of the playoffs. Yeah, but I think Tampa's looking at their arena, and they think they do need that. Even Game 7, Ross, I didn't think it was that rowdy. Like, obviously, like, when the goal was scored, it got crazy. Like, there was a couple good chances where the crowd got into it. But other than that, they're just kind of hanging out. So I don't really blame the Tampa Bay staff for being like, all right, you guys aren't going to make noise on your own. Try these. Yeah, so here I just pulled up the playoff power play and penalty killing statistics. Tampa, 
Their power play is clicking at 37.7%. Oh. Best in the National Hockey League. And Montreal's penalty kill is at 93.5. So that's going to be a huge battle to keep our eye on. Top scores for each team. Tyler Toffoli has 14 points. He leads Montreal. Nikita Kucherov has 22 assists. <laughs> he has 27 yeah. points. Braden Point with 20 and Alex Klorn with 17. So they have at least their top three scores with more than anybody on Montreal. Yeah, it's wild, Ross. I think if you take the Habs' top two scores and put them together, they're not even well, as uh, – Yeah, you're tied with Tampa's top scores. So it's very clear that Tampa Bay puts the puck in the net while Montreal focuses on keeping it out of the net. It's kind of like that uh, when an unstoppable force meets an unmovable object, right? We're going to see which gives out first here. And I just think with the way Carey Price is playing, Ross – there might actually be a chance that Montreal can get this done. Like, obviously, Tampa is an offensive powerhouse, but Carey Price, when he's on his game, and now he's he's finally made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. You think he's going to weaken or show signs of uh, fatigue now? Not a chance. So, I go to betonline.ag and the Con Smythe odds. Carey Price at plus 210. I put a bet on him this morning, Ross, because if the Montreal Canadiens win the Cup, it has to be Carey Price. Like, no one else is even in contention. So I thought that's that's a clear way that if the Habs win, I've already got a futures bet on them, and then I'll get the Carey Price bet. So I'm trying to make myself be okay with uh, being happy with the Habs if they win the Cup. One guy who's going to make it extremely hard for you to win your bets is Andre Vasilevsky. Let's go with how we've done each series so far, and let's start with the most intriguing aspect and as a goalie-friendly show. Where else would we begin but in the crease, because you can laud Carey Price and his 934 save percentage, and I could sit here and tell you that he's not even the best goal in the series. That's how good Vasilevsky is, and I'm leading Tampa Bay in the net. I'm going to go with Montreal here, Ross, just because I, I think the emotional tie here with Carey Price, he's heard it all from the Montreal media. It's taken him this long to get here through really no fault of his own. I mean, he's had some some less uh, quality seasons, but really he's done a lot for this franchise, and now he's finally here. I think there's no there's no beating his mental edge right now. And if you're Vasilevsky, I don't think he has that same chip on his shoulder. You know, he's already been here. He's a Vesna guy. He He's able to kind of have a good team in front of him if he's not having an amazing night that can put a couple goals in the net and they can win that way. So I'm actually giving a slight edge in, in goaltending to Montreal. I don't, I don't see how you can do that. In his last 43 playoff games, Pilsy is 30 wins. Like, you just look at his body of works, and this is since they lost to Columbus where they got swept in 2019, and he has a 931 save percentage in 43 games. We're talking about Carey Price stopping one out of every thousand more shots, and we're talking about how great it is in a single-season sample size. Vasilevsky is just the best goalie in the world. He plays low, and he's so fun to watch, explosive. Price is great, don't get me wrong, but I just love what Vasilevsky brings. Yeah, I'm not trying to undercut Vasilevsky, and the numbers are there. I'm just saying I think for in this series, the emotional ties will give Carey Price a little bit of an edge here. I think that there's an emotional tie. I know they got to celebrate with their fans right in the middle of COVID, none, no less. But with Tampa Bay, they're reigning champions, but they didn't get to win in front of any sort of crowd. I think that's going to play into their psyche this year, saying, man, yeah, we won, but in an empty building in Edmonton, Alberta, in when was it? Like the middle of August? 
Like that was like the end of the summer. So I think that it's really going to play into the fact. And if I'm John Cooper, that's how I'm motivating my team saying, aren't we doing this for our fans? Well, they're here now. Let's go and put on a show for them. So I think that there's an emotion, not necessarily in between the pipes, but in this whole Tampa team that, Hey, let's, uh, let's do that. But then for Montreal, you have the, the history of their team and all that. It's, it's going to be a really fun series. And I'm glad I mentioned off the top, north versus south. It's kind of nice. You know, we don't get that east versus west. We mentioned on Friday show, it would be the first time since the 70s that two Eastern Conference teams face off for the Stanley Cup final. What about the back end, Pilsy? All this talk being made throughout the postseason, rightfully so, of how great the Montreal top four has been, taking a lot of minutes, the hardest minutes possible. But again, they're about to face a test like they haven't faced yet. Yeah, this one, is. I don't think there's much debate here, Ross. Tampa's defense takes it easy. Like, we can start at the top, and we can't even get much further here. Victor Hedman, who on, on Montreal can even come close? Like, Shea Weber, don't get me wrong. He plays that same kind of tough, big size game, but... He's long past his prime, whereas yeah. Victor Hedman is in his prime. He won the Conn Smythe last year. So I think we can't even go much further than that. And, man, Ross, wouldn't it be great if Montreal had a defenseman like Mikhail Sergachev? Mm. Like, that would be such a good piece on their back end, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's playing on the third pair and looking great doing it. I mean, he, he's just a stud coming up. It's too bad uh, Jonathan Drouet won't have his chance at a redemption series here. We wish him all the best, by the way. He's been out of the lineup on personal leave for the past, I think, two months, give or take. So on the back end, however, yeah, I see Shea Weber as a guy who's like Victor Hedman, except Victor Hedman can skate the puck out of his zone by himself and create offensively a little bit more than Shea Weber. Weber's got the big bomb from the point, but Hedman can facilitate. He can go through a couple guys, and he really is the heartbeat of that team. But then on the defensive side, like you're looking at Ben Sherrod as, as the next guy up, I guess. If if you're the Habs, maybe Jeff Petrie. Well, I'd take Ryan McDonough on my team over over either of those guys any day of the week. So it is going to be tough here. Even the the depth guys on Tampa have looked really good. Jan Ruta looks unbelievable. Luke Shedd even gone for <laughs> board. Like he looked good in his short sample when uh, Eric Chernak was out. So Tampa's just got an embarrassment of riches on the back end. I still stand by the fact that I think the Isles have a pretty solid back end with a lot of depth as well. But when I, when I compare Tampa to Montreal, uh, it's no contest for me. I would have a little bit of an argument. I would say Jeff Petrie is pretty close to Ryan McDonough. Like Jeff really? Petrie at the start of this season, he was in Norris uh, conversations. Then he kind of slumped off a little. And also he's dealing with, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that injury, but it's the, the injury that was causing his eyes to be all crazy. I don't know how much that's affecting him, but I really think you could make an argument saying Jeff Petrie is at the very least on McDonough's level. Maybe I think they well they obviously did bring different skill sets. Petrie much more offensive, yeah. and McDonald will block everything. And well, the depth that Tampa has is gonna be tough for for Montreal to match. That Montreal just has to rely on a five man unit when they're defending. Don't let any holes in the defensive zone, or else, man, this Tampa team like they're they're eighteen million dollars over the cap. And we didn't even mention David Savard, who they gave up a first round pick yep. to get, and he's down on their third pair. So. Man, there's just there's a lot to like if you're a hockey fan going into this series. And even though we're given the edge, or at least I am, to Tampa in both goaltending and defense, I know you're split 1-1 here, Pilsy. It's, it's not a huge discrepancy. And 
as we move to forwards, Montreal got a big boost after the youth entered the equation. And Cole Caulfield, third in scoring on this Montreal team right now. Where do you compare the forward groups between the two teams? This one, I mean, is not even really close, right? Like, I think Montreal has that four-unit, uh, four-line unit kind of bringing it all together. You can roll four lines, and similar to the Islanders, right? But Tampa, like, we, we could do this again. Like, just let's start with Steven Stamkos. There's no one on the Montreal team that's even close. Nikita Kucherov, no one that's even close. Like, Montreal's going to have to rely on all four lines being responsible. And, and then when they get their chances, which is what they've been doing all playoff long, when they get their chances, capitalize on them. So I think the depth really isn't a question here because uh, Tampa has so much depth, like you said, an embarrassment of riches where Montreal really kind of spreads it out with a young player, a veteran and a defensively responsible guy on each line. So it makes it tough to kind of break down one line or take advantage of one line. Right. I would even go a step further and say Braden Point as well, better than any yeah, forward on Montreal. Exactly. So that's 3 nothing, And, like, Killorn maybe would even be at the top of Montreal's list. A nice little uh, homecoming of sorts. Uh, Montreal native Alex Killorn going to play against his hometown team in the Stanley Cup final. Patty Pretty Maroon. Sure. Does he off-season there too? Or yeah, at least he spends sure. a decent amount of time there. Yeah, I believe so. And then Patty Maroon's going for the three-peat as he won with the St. Louis Blues in 2019 and Tampa last year. Yeah, and uh, on the other side of that equation, Ross, is Corey Perry, who he was a part of the Dallas Stars team that lost to Tampa last year in the Cup Finals. Now he's right back at it again. So you don't think there's a chip on that guy's shoulder? And you don't want a chip on Corey Perry's shoulder. Who knows what he's going to get up to when, <laughs> like, this is it. Like, this is this is why if you're a team in the offseason, you picked Corey Perry. I've talked about this before. He's not a regular season guy. He's a guy that when the playoffs happen, he can turn it up a notch and he knows what it takes to get to the finals. So let's see if he can get over the hump now and help uh, Montreal here. And speaking of vets on Montreal, Eric Stahl in the final for the first time since winning in 2006. And that was when he was just a youngster. And that just makes it even more known just how special it is to get to these situations and a guy like Patty Maroon who's won three in a row. It's like a guy like Eric Stahl, as good as he's been, he's gone now 15 years between final appearances. So yeah, the edge up front, no brainer, Tampa Bay. And I'm giving the coaching edge to Tampa Bay as well, as it seems like John Cooper, uh, this is Pierre Lebrun reporting that he all signs point to him being the head coach of Team Canada at the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, and well-deserved, right? Like, this guy has the resume. He's able to kind of... I think what John Cooper excels at is being a people manager, right? Like, he used to be a lawyer. And that was his longtime career. And then he said, I'm done with this. And he really understands, you know, he has good judgment. He knows how to make people work well together. And that's what you need to do when you have a team like Tampa. Like, we talked about it. Look at all the stars. Hedman, Vasilevsky, Stamkos. Kucherov, Braden Point, all these guys are so competitive. They want to be the top guy. They're all alpha type characters. You have to find a way to make them work together and to sacrifice a little to gain a lot. And I think they all bought into that. And that's, you got a Stanley Cup ring on your finger to show that that really works. So no question the edge in coaching goes to Tampa. Oh, it's going to be a great series. What's your prediction for the Stanley Cup? I think I, this is what I said in the locker room. My head says Tampa 4-2 six-game series. But my gut is saying Montreal in a seven-game series. So I, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but 
at least if I go with my head, then I won't look that foolish because saying Tampa in six, I feel like everyone can get behind. So my official prediction is going to be Tampa in six. Tampa in six. I'm going to one-up you then. I'll go Tampa in five. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been called out a few times where I've, I've had shorter series predictions and they end up going. So take it with a grain of salt. But I just see this Tampa team as one on an absolute mission. They just went seven with the Islanders, but that being said, I think the Islanders a little more stingy defensively than Montreal. It's hard to judge Montreal because they had the chokers in the first round too, right? Then they didn't have to deal with another top center, right? Don Tavares in round one, no Mark Shifley in round two. Now in the third round, their number one center they were going against was Chandler Stevenson, and even he missed a game or two. Well, Tampa's got about four first-line centers, so I don't think they're going to get so lucky this time. And I might be hammering Braden Point for MVP. As good as Vasilevsky's been, Braden Point's been the bread and butter of that offense, and he can just create by himself. So I got Tampa in five games here to hoist their second cup in a row. Nice, yeah, that would be good for Tampa. And uh, talking about emotional chips on the shoulder for Tampa too, Ross, this core, and well, not not just the core, but the whole team has got to be looking at cap friendly, looking at the expansion draft, and being like, this is probably our last year together. Because you know, like Seattle's going to get an amazing player from Tampa. One way or another, they're going to get a really good player from Tampa, unless we see some side deals happen. And then there's some big contracts coming up. There's some guys like uh, Goudreau and Coleman. They're going to need new deals. They were brought in because they were on cheap deals. So they're going to get re-upped. There's there's going to be a lot of movement here. So I think this co- this core group is looking at each other being like, this is our best chance to do it. Let's repeat, and then we'll see how things go next season. Oh, I'm sure they're fired up for the opportunity, and it starts tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern in Tampa Bay. It's the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm assuming who – I mean, their fans travel well at the best of times, even especially in the winter. My parents are down in Florida. Whenever we go and it's Montreal-Tampa, that building is 50-50. So I'm a very, very excited and curious – to see what the split is going tonight at Emily Arena. Make sure that if you're watching tonight's game, you got your Built Bars with you to fire up throughout the game. Built Bars, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They come in 16 amazing flavors as well, so you never get tired of same old flavor, this and that. But that's where Pilsy comes in. We'll get to his pick of the day. But first, I got to tell you why Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market. Yes, it tastes like a candy bar. You feel like you're having a cheat snack, but in reality, you're doing something that's great for your body, great for the health-conscious guy or girl as well. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. So now that you know the nutrition's great for you, let's get to the flavors. Pilsy, where are you sending the good people today when they reach into their mix box? Ross, I'm going to hit them with one of your personal favorites. It's one of my personal favorites. It's one of the best flavors Built Bar has to offer, and that's mint brownie. You already know every single Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate, but then you get some more chocolate with the brownie, and then a little bit of mint in there. If you like that style, mint brownie, it's so nice to have in a Built Bar. Like Ross said, low calories, only 130 calories, but high protein 17 grams of protein packed in there and the taste of this built bar the mint brownie is gonna fool you i promise so pilsy's pick of the day mint brownie built bar 
Go to BuiltBar.com and see all the great flavors and products that Built Bar has to offer. Just use the promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. All right, Pilsy, the time has come. The draft only 27 days away, and we now begin our countdown from 75 for our top prospects. Now, here's how we do it. Just a little refresher. If you're just joining us on Locked On Senators, we've taken our eight most trusted sources. I'll list them off here in a moment, and we've averaged out their rankings to reach our Send Central final draft rankings. We've got Bob McKenzie, Craig Button, both from TSN. We've got Scott Wheeler. Go check him out on last week's Locked On Sends. Corey Pronman with him as the two athletic writers. We've got our best friend of the show, Tony Ferrari. We've got Will Scouch and his scouching, very analytical-driven numbers. We've got McKean's Hockey and the EP Draft Guide. So, Pilsy, without further ado, number 75, with an average ranking of 75.8, it's Jackson Blake. Jackson Blake kicks things off for us, Ross, and I'm so stoked we're back into this. We did it last year. I think everybody liked uh, getting little breakdowns, on, especially some of these lesser-known guys, right? Like, everybody knows the top 10, the top 15. Everybody's heard those names, knows what they're all about. Well, we're about number 75. How about Jackson Blake? Let's get things started. And this... We like this right away, Ross, son of an NHLer, Jason Blake. Also, another thing we like is he's committed to North Dakota, so he's going to have that nice green jersey on one day. And he also played for the Chicago Steel. So right off the bat, there's a lot of things to like about Jackson Blake. I think one thing, definitely the first thing that's going to pop out to you is his size. five foot ten, but only 150 pounds, so he's a smaller guy. But... Usually that comes with some skill. He's he's undersized, yes, but he's so crafty. This is a playmaking forward. I love his smooth hands. And even though he's a smaller guy, Ross, I find that he can be very aggressive towards the puck. Like, he doesn't let his small size just kind of deter him from going into those battles. He's got that skill and grit combination. And Pilsy, he's also, you mentioned how he's smaller. He's also less physically mature. He's going to be one of the rare players in this draft who's still 17 in late July when they hear their name called. He's an August 3rd birthday. He's not going to North Dakota this upcoming season, but he's committed for the year after. So there's another year of development on his hands in the USHL. Then he'll join Brad Barry. And by that point, hopefully he's filled out, maybe gained 20 or so pounds, but he's got the bloodlines. He's also got an unbelievable gift to attack the inside of the ice. Despite his size, he's not afraid to get to dirty areas and has a great touch around the net as well. He had 20 goals in 19 games playing high school hockey in Minnesota, which is basically like the OHL in terms of how their fanfare. Like Minnesota high school hockey, this guy's played in some big games before there. Led his team, Eden Prairie High, to a state championship, having nine points in six games. It was just an absolute beast for them. Then he goes and plays in the USHL, still almost a point per game. 17 and 25, maybe not a point per game, but still putting up points as a 17-year-old. And you know what? I, I'm excited to see this guy develop. I think if if he's on the board, and I don't know if he will be, but if he's on the board with that third-round pick at 74, I would highly recommend taking a chance on Jackson Blake. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not as high on him, unfortunately, Ross. I just think there's it's too long of a runway. If you're the Sens, you kind of want to get some youth injected a little sooner because these are the guys that are going to be playing supporting roles in the future for the Senators with the way they're trying to draft and develop. I think he's a nice player, but if I'm the Sens, I think you can get a little more immediate impact guy and you don't need such a kind of long play guy. But it's going to be hard for them to pass down a son of an <laughs> NHL player who's going to UND. So you know, Pierre, and Pierre Dorian likes winners. You know he's going to be itching to select him at uh, draft day. But for me, and this is what I did last year, I did a five-star system of whether I would like the Sens to draft him. For me, Jackson's getting a three out of five stars. Okay, that's fair. I look at it as free development, much like with Levi Marilyn, and right? You just kind of leave him in, in the uh, system to marinate and then – when you do get him, he has the tools to be able to be a really good NHL player. So to go by yours, I'll say four stars for Jackson Blake, who I think at his potential could be a middle of the lineup, like a, a best player on the third line or a worst player on your second line, and a, and a guy who can contribute on the power play as well. He's just got a great touch, and I think that he will end up getting there. The question is, how long is it going to take him? to mature physically. Here's what Scott Wheeler said. I love his approach, which looks to attack the inside and make plays. No backing down in his game. Even as a smaller player, I've seen him make difficult plays out of nothing with the puck on his stick. There's a lot of runway for him to turn into something very interesting. So that's number 75 on our list. Jackson Blake, as we move up to number 74. Does this name sound familiar? Colton Dack brother of former third overall NHL pick, Kirby Dak. Now, they both play for the Saskatoon Blades. Kirby, we know him as a great skater, great playmaker. The, the skating, though, for Colton just isn't quite there yet. He came in with an average ranking of 73, and he's number 74 on our draft rankings. This is a guy I'm pretty excited about, Ross, not going to lie. Like, his his physical size is basically the same as Kirby, and he's a few years younger. Like, he's playing in the WHL, and he has the same size of his brother, who's in the NHL. Six foot four, 205 pounds. He's a left winger. I like this guy because he plays a simple style game. Like, he does the things right already that we're praying and hoping that Logan Brown could do. He uses his body effectively. He uses it to bring the puck up ice. He can shelter the puck away from uh, incoming defenders so well, especially in junior when he's got man strength and some of these guys are, are just uh, Jackson Blake size and they're trying to bend him off. But what I also like is he has a hard shot. You know Igor Sokolov's shot? It's not a quick shot. It's not a – you wouldn't say it's the most accurate shot, but it's a hard shot. And that allows him just to beat goalies if he has the time and space to get that thing off. He can beat goalies more easily. And I just think he has nice offensive instincts. And even, man, when you get, this is kind of like a Brady Matthews situation. These two brothers are so competitive. And Kirby Doc says that he's jealous of Colton's shot. He says that's one area where definitely Colton has an edge there. And if you've spent any time watching Kirby Doc with Chicago, you're going to love Colton. They play a similar game. And I think Colton's just scratching his potential. And he's going to have another big year for the Saskatoon Blades next season. For him, I'm giving him four out of five stars for me wanting to draft him. I would love it if the Sens had the opportunity to draft Golden Dock. With that 74th pick? Yeah. 
Yeah, so with, with Colton Dock, something I do really like about him as well is that he improved year over year better than anyone could have hoped. He had the same amount of goals in 20 games during the shortened WHL season as he did in 62 last year, only nine points shy of he had matching a big growth last spurt. year's total. Yeah, huge growth spurt. And that was, this was only his second year in the WHL, so he'd played you know just triple a since before that so you look at he had the offensive numbers growing up a lot of these kids do but it's how good can you get when the going gets tough when you end up playing against guys who are three four years older than yourself so he's a goal scorer you know 11 and 20 games can speak to that I, I like him as well you know what he's a big guy he's a guy who I think that fits the style the Sens draft you play center right now but if that skating doesn't improve you won't be able to play center at the NHL level. We'll probably have to move to left wing. That's my question. And from watching highlights, did you notice that from him? He's just, he labors around the ice. Yeah, I, I can agree with that for sure, Ross. I don't think he's going to stick at the center position much past junior. I think he's going to be a really good left winger. That And the way I like to design most of my forward lines is you got a playmaker, you got a sniper, and you got kind of a grittier guy that can get the puck and get into the dirty areas. He's going to be that third guy. He's going to be the guy on a line where he can bring the puck up the ice with ease. He's going to get the puck back in those corner battles. And he's someone that's going to make his other two line mates feel a little more confident. You got a guy that can throw his body around and create space for you. So I think Colton Dock's a great option. The only thing I'm worried about, Ross, and uh, we'll continue on our brother's uh, kind of pattern here, the Chicago Blackhawks have two second-round picks, and I think mm. imagine them having a combo of Colton and Kirby. They could be a team I could see reaching on a guy like Colton to get the pair of them. How do you feel of a player comparison? Like uh, We've already talked about him on this show, but like a Pat Maroon. Yeah, I could see that because definitely because think of Patty Maroon like a couple of years ago when he was a, a hot trade commodity at the deadline, like when he went to the Devils, when he was playing with the Oilers in his prime, he was getting like 15, 20 goals. That's kind of where I can see Colton uh, having success. And then, yeah, later on in his career, being a fourth line guy that can also provide some offense. So I think that's actually a good comparison. Yeah, we'll see where Colton Dock ends up. A great little research tidbit there with Chicago having two second rounders. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if that's where he ends up. What does surprise me is when I lose my bets. But I don't do it often because betonline.ag has odds that make it easy to win. Because if you bet on the plus, you know, maybe you don't win 50% of the time. Or if you follow Pillsy's parlay of the day, it gets tough. But at betonline.ag, it's the one place that we trust. The one place that has you covered responsibly for our online sports wagering. BetOnline is the home to Locked On Podcast Network. Go to betonline.ag when you make your free account. Put in the promo code Locked On, and all of a sudden, bingo, bango, bongo, 50% of what you deposit will be added to your account. That's a nice little free play bonus for you. Put in $100, $50 right there in your account. Pillsy, with this, it's free play. you got to win it to earn it, and that's where your parlay of the day comes in, where fans have to decide whether they ride with you or whether they're fading you at this point. Yeah, and I wouldn't blame you guys either way. I hope you're riding with me. I feel like Mondays have been hot for me, Ross. So we're going to get this Monday started off right. And this one may surprise you. I think Montreal's coming out with game one, Ross. I think Tampa's not going to be fully ready for how they shut them down. And I mean, like I said, 
Carey Price over Andre Vasilevsky, easy decision. Montreal is going to take care of Vasilevsky. No, I'm just kidding. But I do think it's going to the under is going to hit as well. So when you got two goalies like this, I don't think Tampa is going to have the success they want. That power play is going to be stifled. I don't think Montreal can fully shut them out like they did with Vegas, but they're going to slow them down. So Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. I'm taking Montreal Canadiens money line at plus 176. Then the under of five is at plus 101, which I thought was surprising for the under to be a plus odd. So I'm taking that for sure. Put 10 bucks in. You're going to win 45, 48. That's a big one to kick the week off. So that is Pillsy's playoff parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. All right, Pilsy. So number 75, Jackson Blake. Number 74, Colton Dak. Now we get to our only member of today's countdown without family ties to the National Hockey League. And that is number 73. Vincent Iorio. Yeah, and it's funny, Ross. Uh, I already did a profile for Vincent Iorio, and uh, but that was a while ago, and that's when he was projected much closer to that number forty-two pick that the Sens have. Now we're talking about him down in the seventies, and he's an interesting player because right off the bat, first thing that pops out to you is the size. Very similar to Colton, six foot three, one hundred ninety-four pounds, right shot defenseman from the Brandon Wheat King. So the Sens already have some experience dipping into that pool with uh, Ridley Gregg and Cole Reinhardt. So I'm sure that they've had a lot of time watching Vincent Aorio. And I think he's the kind of guy that I would say he has a decent floor and a low ceiling. Like, I don't think there's much room either way for his projection. He's a safe, effective defenseman. He's not going to score a lot of goals or put points up on the power play, but he's also going to do a good job of just playing a simple game to keep the puck out of his own net. He's in his third season with the Brandon Wheat Kings. I, I see this guy as possibly someone that could play on the right side at a bottom pair for the Sens one day because he just has such a responsible game that he's not going to make mistakes that a lot of other defensemen make. He's athletic. He's long. He skates really well. He's got great gaps and poise. Plays die on his side of the ice when they cut through the neutral zone. So those are things that I like. However, he certainly lacks a level of creativity offensively. When you see him, he's always looking to make a simple play. And sometimes that's a benefit. And sometimes you need to fight through adversity to, you know, make a, a second player look off your first option and skate it up the neutral zone. And despite being a good skater, he's not often the first guy to like run it out of his own zone. And I, I, I don't know about Iorio. I, I feel okay about him, but. To me, he's just a boring prospect, right? He's not a guy who's going to excite you or put up big numbers, but could he be an effective bottom pair defenseman? For sure. And that's valuable to some teams in the National Hockey League. Right shot really helps his case here. You mentioned he's big. I don't know if you touched on just how big. He's 6'3", 195 right now with room to grow. Now, Tony Ferrari is the reason why he wasn't 75th on this list. And Tony has him at 36 still. Although with Tony and with the TSN guys, we're waiting on their final rankings right now. We're going off their midterm goals. However, Scott Wheeler has him at 99. So you would think it would be a scathing review, right? Not really. This is what Wheeler had to say about him. 
He's a name prospect that will be selected higher than where I have him because of his reputation. And it's easy to understand why he's drawn interest from NHL scouts. He's a long, athletic righty who skates well, owns the neutral zone against the rush, and has learned to play an efficient turn-and-move-it style. So simplicity personified, really, with Vincent's game. I love that. I see that as a massive advantage because how frustrating is it, Ross, when you got a guy who's supposed to be your bottom pair defenseman and he's out there trying to make flashy plays. It's like, no, just do the simple play, move the puck up the ice, and and just try to create offense through opportunities, not through uh, making one amazing play. And you talked about that he lacks creativity. He doesn't use it often, but he does have it in his toolbox. I forget, there's a, there's a play where he goes through an entire Raiders team, end-to-end rush, and he ends up with the goal at the end. Like He does have that in his toolbox, but he doesn't pull it out often. I think this is someone that you have to have tempered expectations on, but if you understand what you're going to get from him, a safe two-way right shot, big size defenseman, that's hard to come by, right? So I think if you're the Sens, for me, I gave it four out of five stars for me wanting to draft him because you're not able to find these guys a lot. And if you're comfortable with what you can get from him, I think he could work in the Sens system. All right. I I can handle that. I'm going to go down with three stars again. I just want a little more oomph, I guess, but uh, it takes all types of defensemen, all types of forward and a solid goalie to build a great team. So Vincent Iorio, he comes in at 73 on our list. And now we're going, is this the best name in the draft? Coming in at number 72 with an average ranking of 71, it's Red Savage. Now he's the son of Brian Savage, longtime former NHLer. So we see this so often. A Canadian dad who plays NHL hockey in the States and the kids are born there. So Although he's got the Canadian blood, his, his dad's a good Sudbury boy. Red Savage was born in Scottsdale while his dad played for the Coyotes and has chosen to represent the States as he was the captain of the under-18 team for Team USA. Yep, and he's also committed to the University of Miami of Ohio, which is where his dad went. So, shocker. So this guy, Red Savage, yeah, right off the top, got to comment on the name. That is an all-time hockey guy name. Great job by the parents being like, yeah, we're going for it. Red Savage. And this kid is a savage on the ice. 42 points in 46 games as the captain of the USA National U18 team. What I like about this guy is... You just heard the points. Almost a point-per-game guy, but he's not known for racking up points, Ross. He's known as being a solid defensive centerman. He plays a 200-foot game. He excels on the penalty kill. And what I like best about him is this is a guy I don't think there's – I haven't read a single report of anyone suggesting in any way that he should play the wing. Like, he seems like he's going to be a centerman. He's good on the face-off dot. He's responsible defensively for a young guy. But – Also, he's able to transition the other way and help out offensively. It's not his bread and butter, but he knows how to stop the opponents in his own end and turn that around to generate offense going the other way. And I think that's something that is really valuable because kids these days, it seems like, especially in lower levels of competition, they're all about the offense. They're trying to wow scouts with an amazing highlight reel play, whereas the red, he just knows, this is what I'm good at. I'll kill this penalty. The scouts are going to notice. The people are going to notice what I'm doing. So for him, I gave him four stars, Ross, because he 
he feels like he projects as a bottom nine centerman who can kill penalties. And I don't think the Sens have a lot of those centermen that are focused on the defensive aspect of the game. So I think it'd be nice to get a guy like that in the system. And when he got NHL bloodlines, that helps too. I'm going to give him five stars. I just think that he brings Ooh. that determination, that grit, but he can back it up with skill. He's got a refined offensive game, says EP Draft Guide, showing the ability to beat defenders with a slick dangle or stick handling move. And then EP Rinkside says, a problem for opponents on the forecheck and an absolute beast on the penalty kill. This guy seems like a five-tool type player. Put him on the ice and wind him up and just watch him go out there and finish every check, make good stick plays in the defensive and be in good position, but then contribute offensively. Did you say he was the captain of the uh, national team development program? The U18 team, yep. Oh, funny. Well, did the Sens not draft the previous captain of the U18 program? Yep, it seems like you're picking up on something here, Ross. So keep that name in mind heading into draft day as Red Savage comes in at number 72. Great start to the countdown, but we got a long, long way to go. Yeah, and man, what a way to kick off uh, the countdown, Ross. I feel like all four of those guys, there's some good potential, and we could see the Sens drafting them, and it would make some sense. So there's, I think there's more depth and more opportunity in this draft than people realize, and that's why I'm stoked we're doing this uh, prospect profile rankings because we're going to get to know these guys, and we're going to take a deeper dive into them, and you're going to get to know these guys. So definitely excited to get the countdown started. And Ross, before we go, I got to do one Twitter shout-out. As you know, I did get verified and I did hit a thousand followers on Twitter. And I said I was going to give a special shout out to the 1,000th follower. So here it is. Guys, go give Nick Robinson on Twitter a follow. Thanks, Nick, for being my 1,000th follower. That's at Nikos Robinson on Twitter. Thanks, guys, for following along. And uh, yeah, it feels nice to get uh, over four digits there, Ross. Yeah, no question. Good work there. And as you mentioned with this draft, it's going to be one where there will be late round gems, especially considering some leagues didn't get up and running. Other guys only played 20 games like Vincent Iorio in the WHL bubble. And we got some deep digging to do to see which players have potential and which ones may be tricked a few scouts but enjoy the Stanley Cup final tonight we'll be back to break it down tomorrow get into the 60s on our draft rankings and a whole lot more for Brandon Filler I'm Ross Levitan this has been the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day